Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 216, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain, people. We got a lot to get into here on this one. Amari Cooper, no longer with the Cowboys. It's official. A lot of Cowboys movement. We're going to go through this and, and see if we can make everybody feel a little better. Doubtful. Got some stories to get to in the block. The NCAA tournament, March Madness is upon us. The Mavs are streaking so much. But before we jump into all that, it, none, none of this happens without our sponsors like Greening Law and Maybe this was the weekend you got in the car wreck or you were hurt on the premises of a business. You may have a case. You may start, you realize you get into this, you're like, man, I need some help here against these, these insurance companies. That's where the green team, the staff at Greening Law comes in. They can be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Nah, man, they're terrific at what they do. And what they do is they handle all the little stuff so that you can focus on getting better. Um, they, they deal with the insurance company so that you don't have to. They give you information so you know exactly what they're doing. You know exactly what you're up against. And for me, man, the best thing you can do if you're in an incident like that is pick up the phone, dial the number 972-934-8900 and let them know, yo, here's what's up. Can I, can I hire you? It's easy. It's that simple, man. And, and again, as you mentioned, the call is free. It, it, the consultation's free. Like the call is free is one thing, but then they'll ask you some questions and, and they'll gauge whether or not they think you've got a case. Costs nothing to find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Give them a call now. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, where Amari Cooper no longer lives. Well, I guess maybe he lives here, but he's no longer going to play in this area. As the Dallas Cowboys were able to find a trade partner for Amari Cooper, they trade him to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a fifth and a sixth round pick. Now, Dallas also sent a sixth round pick. So essentially, they traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns for a fifth round pick. The Browns will pick up the entirety of Amari's contract. That means that Dallas is responsible for nothing other than, and I think there's always some confusion on this, they still have the dead cap hit. It is a $6 million dead cap hit that will be on their 2022 cap, and they are officially now moving on from Amari Cooper. 
Now, you know, the interesting thing about this to me, man, is there seem like a lot of people, oh, I can't believe they got that. It's a bad trade. What are they doing? All they got was a fifth-round pick. They were going to cut him anyway. So it's basically they got a pair of Jordans when they thought they were getting nothing. So it's, uh, it's not even about what they got. The bottom line is, and we told you all this weeks ago, uh, they had, uh, you could tell from Stephen Jones' comments that they had prepared to move on from Amari Cooper. And, bro, once you move on from him, uh, to save money against the cap, it doesn't really matter whether you release him, whether you trade him for a bag of magic beans. He's gone off your team, and now he can go help somebody else win, and then you got to figure out a way to replace him. Yeah, and, and that's where this will get interesting is because it's, it's like you said, it's not necessarily that they got a fifth rounder back. They got something when they didn't think they would get anything. What they got and the reason why this move happened was $16 million in cap space. And that's why they did this. They made some moves last week to officially get under the cap and releasing Greg Zerline and releasing Blake Jarwin. And this allows them, they are now about $18.5 million under the cap. They will use a chunk of that now to pursue Michael Gallup and to make it happen and figure out whatever he's going to need. And then they also have to sign some of their other free agents. And then there's some other things they can do, but... You know, it was going to be a tight situation with the cap this year. We have talked about this on the podcast, it feels like, for the last couple of weeks. I don't know that there is a world in which we can realistically live that we can say this is a better team without Amari Cooper moving forward. Um, I will say this, not based on what you know today. Right. Maybe three months from now, two months from now, you go, oh, my, who knew that was happening? But based on what you know today, no, they're not a better team without Amari Cooper. It, there's just no way. And look, the reality of it is there's a couple of things here. We knew a couple of years ago when they did this extension with Amari Cooper, it was lining up when Michael Gallup was going to be a free agent. And it gave them the flexibility if they wanted to, they could then decide we're either going to roll with Cooper or Michael Gallup is ready. Now, at that time, we didn't know that CeeDee Lamb was going to be a part of this. Then CeeDee Lamb becomes a part of it. And I really think that that plays into it as well. I mean, you've got a first round wide receiver. You drafted this dude halfway through the first round of the NFL draft. He has all the traits of a number one wide receiver. Going into year three, he's had a couple of years, and now you're going to throw him into that role and say, okay, you're our first-round pick. Go be that dude we believe you can be. And if he can be that and the offense can still function, then I think you're okay. Well, that's the whole, that's the whole key. I mean, they basically picked Kellen Moore's scheme over Mari Cooper. And so Kellen Moore's scheme has got to get – um, you know, CD Lamb open and got to get him targets and got to get him production. If that happens, fine. But, you know, man, we, we've said this quite a few times. There's a world of difference between a number, a legit NFL number one receiver and a number two guy. Because a number one receiver, man, you get the, you're, the game plan for you. Like, yo, what's the routes that CD Lamb runs best? What do we take away from him? Hey, let's make sure our best cornerback gets him. Do we need to double him at all times? I mean, it's a whole different world, man. And uh, it's a big jump. And he's shown the ability to do some things that a number one receiver does. And now it's time to do it. It is. And, and now they're going to have to prove it. And I'll be curious. You know, we had Chill on last week on the podcast. I have seen a variety of mock drafts at this point of the season I always think it's interesting doing mock drafts before you go through free agency, but there's been multiple mock drafts done, you know, from Kuyper or McShay or Daniel Jeremiah or Dane Brugler. And a couple of those do have the Cowboys taking a wide receiver at 24. 
I think that'll be really interesting. It, it, this is a really interesting draft because, you know, we want to say, oh, well, they need an offensive lineman. I mean, this is literally one of those drafts where whoever they wind up with the 24 is going to be pretty much a position of need. This is a deep wide receiver crop. I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of those guys like a Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams is there at 24 that you feel like you've got an opportunity to almost replace. It's almost like if you believe Lamb can replace Cooper, then whoever you're drafting at 24 potentially can replace what Lamb had been for you. Yeah, uh, but I don't um, – the way the game goes, man, I don't need – if there's so many good receivers who come out every year. There's so many veterans available. I don't know that you have to pull the trigger. At 24, I'd rather have a non-sexy offensive lineman who can come in and fill a gap and help get the running game going than another receiver, per se, especially if you've got Gallup and if you can do something. I call it the Randall, Randall Cobb free agent acquisition um, in, in free agency, meaning a veteran receiver who's a, who's a good player, doesn't have to be a star, just knows how to line up, catch the ball, and make some plays for you. And there's going to be guys like that that are available. Again, the Cowboys are not going to do a lot in free agency. I mean – we'll see what happens with this Lyle Collins situation, but the reality of it is when they make moves like this, they free up cap space, but they have so many of their own free agents and Gallup seems to be the one they're focused on the most. I mean, if they can figure out a way to get Randy Gregory, Gregory and Gallup alone are probably taking up that $18 million in cap space. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but you know what? The cap can get creative and yeah, it's all about yeah. that, that first year, that first year hit. But, I mean, so now you ask yourself the question, would you rather have Galloway? I mean, would you rather have uh, Gregory and Gallup for Amari Cooper? That's, that may be the question you're asking. And I don't know. Most people might say, yeah. Yeah, and th th this, you know, all the, these situations are always interesting with the dead cap and the way that this works. And now you look at what the Cowboys are doing here. So moving forward in 2022, $6 million dead cap for Amari Cooper. I believe it's 6.8 dead cap that they still have on for Jalen, Jalen Smith, when they released him earlier this year. They released Blake Jarwin. That's a $3.2 million dead cap. And now we'll see what happens with Lyle Collins, who apparently they have opened up, said, look, hey, if you want to go get traded, figure out a place to go. It, it feels like they're going to be done with him either way. Whether he can get a trade or not, they're going to be done. And if they can designate him as a post-June 1st release, that would create another $10 million in cap space. If they trade him, it opens up $1.3 million in salary cap. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Collins, but it's obvious he will not be a Cowboy next year. Are you surprised by that? I'm a little surprised just because I don't think he's anything elite but I don't think he's been trash. And, you know, it's one of these things potentially where they did it almost with Amari Cooper. It feels like they kind of did it with Zeke and they did it with Collins where they are giving these guys gobs of money and they're not living up to the contract for which they got paid for. And now they're just trying to eat this and get out from it. And it almost feels like they're trying to do a lot of this right now in 2022 to where in 2023, financially, they're just way better off moving forward. Now they may that there there could be a lot of that. there's some conspiracy theory theorists who think they're setting it up for Sean Payton, but again in today's NFL I don't think you can just say well we'll just take a year of Dak and just throw it out the window with a bad team while we get up from up under whatever cap woes we have or you think Mike McCarthy's like oh yeah I can have a bad year no worries I'm, I'm good <laughs> no not at all you know what I'm saying so right. I, I don't think it's like hey we're just we're just mailing it in next year. Um, I think they got sideways with Lyle Collins because one, the suspension, 
you know, let's not forget that. That was a big deal. I think the suspension uh, got on their nerves. I think uh, there was a little reticence about him to play a guard where he made it clear, kind of like he didn't want to do it, even though that's not his, uh, you know, not his, his best spot if you, if you talk to people within the Cowboys. And I think they're just like, you know what, I'm kind of tired of your shit. Yeah. And so you're not so much better than Terrence Steele. You're not so much better than Terrence Steele that we need to put up with it. So why don't you just get to moving? Because and it, and it could also be like a culture thing. Like you're not good for our culture the way we perceive you acting, the way you have acted. And so we'd rather just not have you. And so um, somebody had a good stat and I didn't look it up. So I didn't use it in something I was writing. But they were like, they were, when Terrence Steele started those six games, they won them all and they averaged more than 380 yards a game. And without, and when Collins was in there, they were whatever they were, but they, they didn't get more than 380 yards a game. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's a one for one correlation, but uh, clearly they soured on Lyle Collins. Yes, clearly they have, and they'll move on from him. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. And again, right now, looking at this, it is hard to believe that this team is going to be better next year. But like you said, you got to get through the draft. We'll see what they do in free agency. I will say this. One, th- this, is how, this is how the Cowboys operate. The Cowboys have operated like this ever since the Brandon Carr debacle. They pay their own guys that they believe in. They let other ones go. And they draft fairly well for the most part. And one thing that Will McClay has been very good at is finding, you know, you mentioned the Randall Cobbs of the world. You look at some of these, last year's a great example of this. These these guys that'll come in on a one or a two-year deal that have been on the cheap that for the most part do the role for which they're paid to do. Are they blowing you away? Do you feel like you got to steal a lot of the times? No, but for the money that they're investing in some of these, these bargain pipe free agents, Will McClay seems to have a really good eye for identifying those types of players who tend to come in and give them what they're expected to get. Well, it also means you're in tune with what the coach staff wants from players. Uh, that's why Dan Quinn was so good last year. They had a good idea, good feel for the types of players he wanted, types of players like Javon Kurtz, who fit what he what they want to do. And so, you know, it'll be more of the offseason, especially with Kellen Moore being here, starting his fourth year, Quinn starting his second year. You got a good feel for the types of players who should fit into this defense and offense. Yeah, it's... It's going to be interesting because next week I have a feeling it's going to be frustrating for a lot of people. I don't know why, because if you're a Cowboys fan, you have to know how they operate. You know, I think a lot of people want Bobby Wagner. I don't know that Bobby Wagner is like to me, he's not going to give Dan Quinn a discount and the Cowboys are going to be priced out of what Bobby Wagner is going to be able to pull. And I know you don't want the 31 year old guy who's, who's Seattle no longer wants, but to me, even at 31, if you could get Bobby Wagner and you're getting him for what is like a steal of a deal, then I'm taking him. But I'm not paying that guy what his market value is going to be, which is why I don't think he'll wind up in Dallas. No, you're absolutely right. You're not paying him his market value. He's at the end of his road. He wants his market value. And so to me, man, it's, pre- it's pretty clear that he ain't going to end up here. I had no expectations that he would, and I haven't even allowed myself to even think about it, really. <laughs> I thought about it, man, just because you hear that name and you're like, Okay, all right, that'd be kind of awesome. That'd be Dan Quinn's here. There's a connection. But again, guys want to get paid. And that's what makes the Cowboys and free agency so interesting because you really have no idea 
because a lot of the times the names that they'll sign, like we kind of know them. Like I think everybody knew Keanu Neal. You know, I doubt most people knew Jaron Curse or even like Carlos Watkins or Brent Urban last year and some of these other guys they signed. Nobody was excited about those names. Nobody got like, oh man, that's badass. We signed all these dudes on a one year for $2 million. But then you turn around and you look at the impact that they made. And again, it worked. They weren't exciting names, but they're names that you need on the roster. And that's where the Cowboys, I think, have shown a lot of ability is, yeah, maybe sometimes with their own free agents, they get screwed over and they get into these deals where they think they're going to get a hometown discount or they wait too long like they did with Dak to make something happen, whatever the case may be. But they really seem to do a good job with kind of managing that middle chunk of the roster that they put together with mid-range draft picks and and essentially bargain free agents. Now they do a real good job with that, man. <clears throat> I don't know that talent has been the problem with the roster. Like the, yeah. they they've put together good rosters. They just haven't been able to put together wins at winning time. Uh they've they haven't played their best football when it mattered most. And that's why they haven't been able to take advantage of the good rosters that they've had. Like, they had a terrific roster last year. Uh, we all think um, Will McClay is a uh, terrific, uh, you know, talent guy. And so you'll think they'll have a good roster this year. I don't know if it'll be uh, – I don't think it'll be as good as last year's roster. But it'll, yeah. be, it'll be a competitive roster. You know, now it's just a matter of can they finally win some big games in the playoffs. Because you got to win big games during the regular season to get to big games in the playoffs. But uh, that's what it's about, man. Until there's playoff success around here, it's much ado about nothing. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that that's where it all comes in is, like, you could not even pay attention to what the Cowboys are doing in the offseason. It's just like, wait and see. All right, let's see what you're going to get because you're going to sell me some sort of hope in the offseason. Coming off 12-5, and five, Dak's back and healthier than ever. And, oh, my God, CeeDee Lamb looks like a beast. And Zeke will show up ready to go. And none of that matters until we get to, as you just talked about, the constant failure in the playoffs year in and year out with these types of rosters, it almost is like it doesn't matter. Like, like what would it be in free agency that would excite people? Because to me, I don't know that there is anything. I don't know what it would be in free agency that can excite us, even if it was a big... Like, let's say they go out and get Bobby Wagner and they restructure contracts and they go out and they spend some money and get these big names in here. So what? They haven't won anything when they did that. They haven't won anything the way that they're doing things. I don't know that anything... That's where I think the frustration comes in is how do they change this to where they can actually win when it matters? Well, then we won't know until they do. Right. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> you know, so you just have to temper it and, and ride with the season that, that they put together until they win the games that, that we're all looking for them to win. And uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Nobody, nobody started the season thinking Cincinnati was going to do anything this year, and boom, it happened for them. They took advantage of their opportunity. And really, that's all you're asking the Cowboys to do. At some point, will you, will you jokers take advantage of the opportunities that you've been given and play yeah. your best football when it matters most? Yeah, just, we, just, that's it, man. We can only hope so. I mean, that's really all we can hope for. And free agency, obviously, the new league year starts this Wednesday. I believe it's at noon when free agency kicks into gear and you'll see some of these dudes, I'm telling you, we know this by now. The first and second day of NFL free agency, guys are going to be signing contracts. They're going to blow our minds. They're going to blow our minds. <laughs> there are guys that, that played for the Cowboys, you know, whether it's a Connor Williams or a Leighton Van Der Esch or whomever it is, 
that's going to end up getting contract where we're going to jump in and do the podcast on Thursday when we record for Friday. And we, I can't believe somebody paid this dude that much. Nah, bro. But I mean, as you said, it happens every year. So you're right. We're not going to be surprised. But at the same token, it's going to be like, damn, can the Cowboys get somebody like that? And the answer is going to be no. Right. So know that in advance. Prepare yourself accordingly. And, uh, you know, don't drive yourself crazy. Yeah, and, and, and there's so much money that's out there that teams are going to want to spend. And, you know, Indianapolis, who apparently Minnesota is willing to, to move on from Kirk Cousins, and Indianapolis still needs a quarterback. Is it going to be Kirk Cousins? Are they going to make a move on Jimmy Garoppolo? Who knows? But Indianapolis is $70 million under the cap. Now, again, a chunk of that, a big chunk of that, is probably going to whatever quarterback they wind up getting. But you look at a team like the Jets or the Dolphins, who are both $48 million under the cap, the Jags, who are about $40 million under, and those are the types of teams that look around and go, well, we got to spend some of this. Dude, I mean, that's what I'm telling you. It's going somewhere. And that's why, you know, Connor Williams may end up with a big... You'd just be shaking your head like, the hell? Yeah, and we're like, man, did they not watch this dude play? But the problem becomes, you know, like Leighton's one of those guys. How many linebackers are out there that are on a certain level? Well, we, we saw him do it in Dallas. You know, and if we could coach him this way, I, I think we could really take advantage of what we saw at times in Dallas. And, okay, well, he doesn't really want to come to this. He doesn't want to come play for Jacksonville. Oh, okay, well, we're going to have to money whip him then. I mean, that's how it works. And then we look up and we're like, oh, my God, how in the world is, you know, Leighton Vander Ash making more than Khalil Mack? Not that that'll happen, but I'm just saying. I mean, it, it's stuff like that where it's just it's wild, man. It is wild. Dude, it's not going to change. And so um, let's see what happens, man. Maybe they'll shock us not, but we can always hope not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it's. It's fun, I think. We all like it. We all like Madden, right? We like spending money on free agents. We like trying to build these teams, but it, the Cowboys don't do that. They haven't done that. They're not going to do it this year. Don't expect that this week. It's going to be a very boring week other than, oh, my God, Lyle Collins got traded, or the, it, it, who knows, potentially with some of the other moves they may do. I, I don't know what to think. But we move forward here, and we tell you, as we always do, about Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. I tell you all the time, especially as we start getting into the spring and summer and people start looking to, to purchase vehicles and whatnot, if you don't include them in your car buying process, you're screwing yourself over. Because it's one, it's so easy because it's easy to pick up the phone and, and you can just give her a call or you can shoot her a text, 817-881-4066. The other part of it is it's a husband and wife owned local dealership. They don't have the overheads of these big dealerships. They want to help you get a good deal. They will work towards finding somewhere where you win and you get a great deal on a new vehicle for yourself. And that's really what we're talking about, man. We're talking about Deb and Mike, man. It's about... Um a win-win for them, and I think that's why uh, that's why their business has been successful over the years. That's why uh, people like working with them because they're not a, they're trying to make sure that everybody's happy and smiling at the end of the day. And uh, not enough businesses do that. That's why we like to work with them. That's why they like to work with people. They're about win-win for everybody. It's Blue Star Motor Group. I always tell you, do yourself a favor. I mean, if you're listening to this and you happen to be sitting at your laptop, just jump on it, man. Jump on to bluestarmotorgroup.com and peruse what they've got. They've always got some phenomenal deals. And again, like we tell you, they've got stuff ranging in the $20,000 range all the way up into the $100,000 plus range and everything in between, including 
a right now they've got a Cadillac Escalade, a 2015 Cadillac Escalade. Now it's got 100,000 miles plus on it, but they've got it fully loaded for under $30,000. Bro. Aside for the gas prices, that's a hell of a deal now. Yeah, I mean, man, they... They've got a, they've got a couple of Jeep Wranglers on here right now. They've got Mercedes. They've got a Porsche. They've got a 2020 Subaru Ascent Touring seven passenger for forty grand. A 2016 Toyota Tacoma for under thirty seven thousand. I mean, I'm telling you, do your just go fantasize, and then you're like, well, actually, that's a really good deal, and go check it out at BlueStarMotorGroup.com, and hopefully Jacques just didn't take a dick pic. Who knows what that was. <laughs> I don't know. All I heard was a random camera sound go off in the background. I don't know what you're doing over there. You know what, man? Let me let me take people behind the scenes, asshole. I was, <laughs> and and I say that in the most loving of terms. Matt's my guy. I was taking a screenshot because I just saw a tweet that said the Cowboys and Michael Gallup have agreed to terms on a multi-year deal from Ian Rappaport, and I, being a good partner, was taking a screenshot so I could text it to you so you can see it but no now you have accused me of taking a penis picture <laughs> i just asked the question i wasn't being accusatory come on <laughs> oh it felt like it all right so now, there's that so just to make you feel good let me take one okay all right i can't wait to see this that'll be fantastic i also can't wait once you get your blue star motor group your your new carfax certified pre-owned vehicle at some point, you're going to wind up a freeway tire shop like we always tell you about. You're going to roll in a freeway tire shop, and you're going to be skeptical. I know you are because you're like, Matt and Jacques talk about this all the time. Let's see. Let's see how good JR is. And then, much like many of you that have, you're going to send us a message on Twitter or Instagram, and you're like, holy crap, you guys were right. I, I'm blown away at the level of service and what I got from JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. I'm telling you, that's exactly what will happen, and that's why one of the reasons why Jacques takes all of his cars there Every time he needs any work, because JR is going to take care of you. Dude, JR is the best, man. The absolute best. I love him because you can trust him. Uh, if you don't know how to fix cars, he's the guy you take it to because you can trust him to, one, diagnose the problem with your car. Two, and this is a really underrated thing. How about using quality parts to fix whatever's wrong with it so you don't have to come back to get the thing fixed again? You can trust him to give you a fair price on the work that he does and then you can trust him to stand behind his work man and i don't think you can really ask much more from a mechanic that's why i take all my cars to him whenever they break down and that's why he's my guy freeway tire shop it is just north of downtown dallas right off of 35 you can get a quote schedule an appointment online at freewaytireshop.com we were going to move on from our Cowboys conversation, but with this breaking news, we'll jump right into it. And again, I don't know what this is going to look like on the cap, but Ian Rappaport is reporting that Dallas has agreed, as you just mentioned, Jacques, a new deal with Michael Gallup. It is a five-year deal worth $62.5 million. And as you can do the math on that, that breaks that bad boy down to about $12.5 million a year. There's a variety of different ways to handle this on the cap, but that's about where I thought he would be. I thought he would be in that 11 to $13 million a year range, and that is exactly where he ended up. Dude, didn't we say that? I mean, that's why yep. we say sometimes, now, you, you obviously got to get the specifics of a deal done, but that's why we say on a lot of deals, man, they're not hard to do. All you had to do was look at the receivers who make $12.5 million and go, hey, he fits somewhere in that in that ballpark and then you look at the top where he goes oh okay after after Cortland Sutton at 15 million uh those guys are studs above that he's not that good 
So he's somewhere between 12 and a half and 15 million. He's coming off an ACL. He was a third round pick, so he hasn't had that huge payday. And so he's like, what can I do where I can get a nice payday two or three years before they deem me worthy to be cut or whatever? And uh, it sounds like they hit the sweet spot. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's that's about right where we figured it would be. It's about right for who he is and what he does. Again, all of this, Michael Gallup, when he is healthy, the role that he fulfills in this team works very, very well. The the big question for me, and we kind of talked about this earlier, it's CeeDee Lamb. Is CeeDee Lamb ready to make the jump to be number 88, to be the number one receiver, to be covered by the number one cornerback? And if he is, then I do think Michael Gallup will put up those numbers like he put up as a solid number two before there were three targets that they were spreading the ball around to, that he'll kind of go back to what he was before CeeDee Lamb got here, and he'll, he'll be putting up those types of seasons if CeeDee Lamb is that guy. Well, I think, I mean, they all work together, man. Um, and, and it's up to Dak, too, because mm-hmm. Dak, before Amari Cooper came up, was a struggling quarterback, averaging about 210 yards passing the game with 14 TDs and 13 picks over a 20-game stretch or something like that. Um, so they need him to be that guy and uh, to help C.D. Long, to help him through, I mean, C.D. Uh, Lamb to help throw him open a little bit and then take advantage of what Michael Gallup does best. I think Michael Gallup's a good receiver. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. And now they need to, uh, and I think got those two guys down, they can focus on uh, the third guy. Yeah, and whether that's free agency or the draft, we'll find out. But again, I think we talked about this last week or the week before. Michael Gallup in his second year of his career, 66 for 1107, averaging almost 17 yards a reception. Lamb's rookie year, it dropped down to 59 and 843, which is still fine, averaging a little over 14 yards. And then last year, of course, he had the injury, only played in nine games and just dropped way off. And that's the thing is, can you be that second year receiver that we saw that gives us that deep threat that's averaging 16, 17 yards of reception? And if you're doing that, that'll be fantastic next to CeeDee Lamb. And like you said, figure out who's going to play as your number three guy and where that's coming from. Dude, that's the key, brother. Michael now Gallup. Let's just see him get it done. Five for 62 and a half, man. Nicely done. Nicely done. But it's good that they don't have to worry about it now. Yep. Got that second contract. Now perform for us. Perform for <laughs> us. Don't don't fall off like like Tank has and, and fair or unfair, injury or no injury, like Zeke has a little bit. Let's let's see what he's got for us. But Michael Gallup and the Cowboys making it happen. So we move in to this trip around the block here. And got a few things to discuss on this. First off, this is the first day as we record this on March 13th, Sunday. Daylight savings time kicked in overnight. And I think, I feel like this is the time that everybody wants. This is like it's still light outside at six o'clock. It's still going to be light outside at seven o'clock. It feels like this is the way that it always should be this time. I'm tired of begging for it, but yeah, this is the way it should be. This is the feel-good time of the year. And it's interesting because originally they made this move in World War One, And it's kind of interesting because, like, back then when they originally did this, Woodrow Wilson was the president at the time. And in March of 1918, he signed the Standard Time Bill, which federally mandated time zones across the country and mandated that all clocks be set forward the last Sunday of March and back again the last Sunday in October. Now, obviously, we've done it a little bit differently as far as when we do that. But it was done because it was supposedly, at that time, 100 years ago, 
supposed to conserve resources like oil, gas, and electric power that was being used to light homes and businesses. They also believed at the time that it had general benefits to the national health because of the additional hours of daylight at the time. That's why it was originally done. And this is according to the Dallas Morning News when they reported it in 1918. Can we change it, man? I mean, we don't have to keep it for tradition. Right. And, and oh, I mean, you know, well, I mean, here's what's uh, interesting. We so can change, man. They got the DH and the NL now. We can, we can change this, this stupid time. So it was so unpopular that they repealed it seven months later. Then it became around again in World War II when FDR signed the wartime year round daylight savings time. It just went year round that way in January of 1942. Then after the war was over, they switched back to standard time in 1945 for whatever reason. There was no federal daylight savings time law from 1945 until 1966. Some regions and some states just continued doing whatever they wanted. And then in 1966, (laughs) LBJ signed the Uniform Time Act, making it a federal law in 1966. And it's been tweaked a little bit, but it is a federal law. Only to, and this is what's crazy about this. You can opt out of it. You can opt out of daylight savings time. But if you do that, you have to be on standard time year round, which only two states have decided to do right now, Arizona and Hawaii. They do not observe daylight savings time. They stay on standard time year round. I wish Texas would do that. Well, what's interesting is 19 states across the country, most of them are in the South and the Southeast, have their state, their governors have signed bills that if they ever make it to where states can decide what they want to do, they would immediately adopt daylight savings time permanently. But it's a federal law right now. So you have to, like, we don't have a choice. Like, like you're just stuck in it unless you opt out. But if you do that, then like, if you opt out of daylight savings time, it would get dark early year round. Isn't that weird? Like, to me, it's like, let the damn states decide what they want to do. I have a feeling the bulk of states in the country would end up just adopting daylight savings time all year. Like, we would just have light later all year round. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know why somebody doesn't run on that platform. That's what I was saying. <laughs> That's what I would do. You know, I, when I run for president, I would just run on that platform. Daylight savings time now. Daylight savings time tomorrow. Daylight savings time forever. <laughs> and that would be how I spoke as a president as well. Yeah, yeah. I would be more like, vote for me, bitches. Daylight saving time rocks. I just feel like that's how it would be. I think it would be great. Me too. I think that would be my speech. Yeah. So, again, I don't know why they do that, but that's like the details of where it comes from and why it is the way that it is. And so now we will enjoy this time all the way until we get to November, and then we will fall back again. It will start getting dark an hour earlier, so. Oh my God! We got oh Jesus! What is going? What is going on today, Matt? What happened now? More breaking news? Yeah! Wow! On Twitter, I'm trying to see. Oh my God! Stunning. He's going to San Francisco, baby. Stunning. <laughs> Tom Brady has announced he is returning to the NFL. <laughs> Tom Brady just now on Twitter. This is his post these past two months 
I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it is not now. I love my teammates. I love my supportive family. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. Wow. Mic drop. That is incredible. Like at first when he, I saw that, I was like, that's got to be a prank. It's fake. But Dude, it's from I went looking. verified account. <laughs> I went looking for the check, man. Because I was like, you're not going to get me. You're not going to get me on this one. Wow. I guess he spent a couple months with Giselle. He's like, I love you, baby, but I won't be around you 24-7. He's like, I can't so, do this. And, and if, if yeah, like we're going to get a divorce if we have to do I, I got to leave. And she's <laughs> oh, like, okay, Tom, bad. you're right. You're driving me insane. God, that is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. Wow. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it just never, you're right. The NFL just never stops. It never <laughs> stops. This is, I don't even know. I can't process. Like, I thought for sure he was done. Yeah. I mean. But it's not like he had a bad year. No, he didn't have a bad year. He's proven he can do it. He's going to be 45 years old when the season starts. He turns 45 in August, the beginning of August. Yeah, I give uh, I'll give uh, pro football talk Mike Florio some love. I mean, he's wow. kind of he's been kind of adamant from the jump that nah, I don't think he. I mean, he was thinking he was going to San Francisco. He's like, I don't think he's through playing football. Well, I don't know how he'd do that. I mean, if he's going to go to San Francisco, he'd have to force a trade somehow, somewhere. Right, and Bruce Arians like, nah, if you're going to play, you're going to play with us. And he still got the gang together, I think, uh, in in uh, Tampa. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God, man. Wow, so Tom Brady going to Tampa, that takes them out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, which, by the way, we didn't even get into that. I mean, the whole Deshaun Watson thing, where now, since he's not going to have any criminal charges, teams are lining up, and I I was reading earlier, they think Seattle may be the favorite to get Deshaun Watson. And maybe that's why they traded Russell Wilson. Um, I don't know what kind of uh, draft capital they have, though. I don't either, man, but you got to think if Seattle, if you're trading with Houston, I mean, that's got – that you – you got to think three number ones for Deshaun Watson. Minimal. I mean, he's he's in his prime. He's a franchise quarterback who's twenty six years old. Yeah, I mean that dude has shown that he he can be a beast, and he's already got the contract extension signed. I mean, he like you said, he'll be twenty seven when the season starts in mid September. But you know, you're still talking about a guy well under thirty. I would think three number ones and then some on top of that. And yeah, it, I mean, if, look what look what old Russell Wilson fetched. Two ones, two twos, yeah. three players. That's older Russell Wilson coming off eh, mess season for him. But see, then if you do that and it is that way, then why are you releasing Bobby Wagner and, and trying to trade Lockett? Like to me, if if you trade because if you trade for a guy like Watson, you're trading such draft capital. Do you have the team in place that you feel like he can come in and win with? Now, the one thing we got to say is Deshaun Watson got a no-trade clause. Right. So he ain't going nowhere he don't want to go. Yes, exactly. And so, and so you can want him all day long, Seattle, but if if he looks at your roster and go and ask the same question Matt just asked, then he's like, nah, I'll get my Starbucks here. I don't need to go to where it, it started from. Yeah, man. I mean, th- this is – God, I mean, you talk about just like randomly while you're live on the air, all this crap happening essentially while it's going on. 
And that was, I mean, we're in the middle of the block. I was trying to tell you some block stories. Next thing you know, here we go with Gallup is getting re-signed. And then the next thing you know, Tom Brady is announcing that he's coming out of retirement. And again, as long as Tom Brady is there, they franchise tag Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is still hanging around. Tampa is going to be, again, one of the favorites coming out of the NFC based solely on Tom Brady. Well, he had to have let them know, too, like, yo, I'm, I'm leaning toward coming back. I'm thinking about coming back so that they could make yeah. the proper moves to put the team around him and give them a chance to play. Yeah, man. I mean, that, golly, this is wild. I mean, this is wild. Okay, so back to the block. Now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what else pops up. Yeah, because you never know, man. I mean, we're talking about daylight savings time, and it's like, holy crap, here comes everything. Elsewhere, it has been announced, if you live in Allen, that you, you may be stoked about this because apparently Katie Trail Icehouse is building a $7 million facility in Allen, a $7 million beer garden that will be the last Katie Trail Icehouse that they make. And if you've, Katie Trail Icehouse, for those that don't know, is smack dab in downtown Dallas. It's literally right off of the Katie Trail. If you live in the downtown Dallas area, it's, like the main trailhead to enter to it that you'd be able to get to Trady Katie Trail Ice House from would be right there, like not like, like almost right across the street from the American Airlines Center. You wander around maybe a third of a mile and it's right there. And it's a cool place. I mean, it's got a ton of draft beer, it's got a massive patio. Really, really cool place that has been hanging around there in about 11, 12 years now. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 dude, I'm for anything that creates another place for people to hang out and have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just down with that, man. I, I think there's so much hate in the world. Anytime you want to go and grab a nice spot, they just hang out and be cool. Can we make more of those? I mean, can we have them on like every corner so that, uh, you know, I'm feeling all lovey today. I mean. So that we can uh, spread some more love and joy okay. in the world. Nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, th it'll be located. They got a 10-acre plot. And Katie Trail Ice House is going to take up six acres of it. And the remaining four acres will be office space. It is going to be seven to eight million dollars to build out. They will spend one million dollars to buy and plant trees so they can have enough shaded for the like for the backyard hangout when it's hot and all that. And it's going to be in there in Allen on the south side of State Highway 121 between Alma and Custer up in that part of Allen. Dude, yeah, right. bring it on, It'll bring it on. The third in the area, the original, of course, I just talked about. There's one up there in Plano, which is the one in Plano is kind of off, like not too far north of Bush. I'm trying to think what road that's off of, like over towards Ohio, I think, if I remember right, in that area. So you have all of that, man. So there's that. I also have this for you. I thought this was interesting. Airbnb which I'm sure at some point everybody has stayed in an Airbnb. New hosts in Texas, Airbnb hosts collectively last year in Texas made $170 million, ranking as the third highest in the nation. Dude, why not? I mean, I'm not even surprised. There's a reason why my dude uh, told me about a week ago he wanted to get into written out Airbnbs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you have to look into with it, like city regulations and stuff like that, because my brother looked into doing it in Austin, and it was a lot more pain in the ass than he thought it was worth. 
in uh, in in terms of paperwork and stuff like well, that. Well, just like not every city will let, will allow for it. Certain areas you won't do it, and you know there's laws in place because they don't want that type of thing happening. And you know it just depends on where you're at and how it works with the city and what the state is and how Airbnb does that and that type of thing. In terms of buying a property and using it specifically as an Airbnb, right? You know, some people I think the go around in Austin is. And I don't remember, like, I'm sure he'll hit me up when he listens to this or somebody, but it's something like you can do it in Austin, but it, it has to be where you are using it as a residence, like a certain percentage of the time to be able to, like, you couldn't just do it as solely as an investment property or whatever. Right. Interesting. Now, I'm sure there's some nosy neighbor who monitors all of Oh, I'm sure there is. but Or you got to have your mail sent there or something. Yeah, you never know. I mean, this one dude that I'm reading about here that the Dallas Morning News had a story on said he started in 2015 with his first property, and he ended up quitting his job. He now owns five North Texas properties that he rents out on Airbnb. And this is interesting. So five properties, and he says that he makes about 75000 a year off the five properties. Like, I would have thought it was more. Right. Nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, 75 grand. Yeah, you're doing just fine. I mean, that, that's a solid job right there. And all he's doing is this. You know, and there's different ways you can do it. Like, you can do this. It's like a rental property in some sense, you know, where you can do a turnkey, where you're basically just the investor and you hire a company that handles all the management and, and, and you know, basically runs it on site for you. Like, if there's a problem with the plumbing or whatever, this is the company that fixes it. You just are the one that kind of pays them to handle all that. Dude, sound like a good deal to me. Let's get one. Yeah, you know, my family, when my grandfather was still alive, he had, I think it was nine acres of land out in East Texas in the, in, right on Lake Quitman, like right on Lake Quitman. And I always thought if Airbnb had existed back when he passed away, we probably would have kept that property in the family because we could have made a fortune. I mean, collectively, it would have been split up amongst me and my, my obviously my mom. My dad and his sister were like the primaries. But like when that property sold, everybody that was named in my grandfather's will got a piece of whatever the property sold for. And so I always thought, you know, that would have been the way to go. Like if you had a property like that. And one of the reasons why is because nobody was going to use it enough and he had built it so long ago that he had grandfathered in the property tax rate. And when, right. he, when he passed, the property tax rate was going to be like astronomical on that property. And so for a piece of property that the family wasn't going to be using regularly, it didn't make sense. Like for the money for the property taxes and the upkeep of it and all that, it just didn't make sense. But if Airbnb had existed, I mean, we could have we rented that property out and tried. I mean, that's one of those properties that it was a, a log cabin on the lake with its own dock and everything, you know, you could have charged, who knows how much you could have charged for a weekend stay during the summer at that place. Wow. You know what I mean? I mean, because now Hell that's what yeah. people do. They have properties like that and it's, oh, it sleeps 10. Cool. It's a thousand dollars a night, <laughs> and it, which is a lot, but you pay it because you split it with the 10 people and you're only paying a hundred. I mean, I, I did that when I went down to Houston for my football draft last year. Me and a couple of the guys in my league, we got an Airbnb at this kick-ass condo in Houston, and we split it. And because we split it, it was cheaper than getting a hotel would have been. Dude, absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of Airbnb. You get to a great spot that you could normally afford and hang out with your peeps. Now, I had to share a bed, but, you know, <laughs> that was okay. We were just Head using it. You know, that was no big deal. Me and Brandon. I mean, Brandon spent the night with me in high school. I was like, well, it's like old times, dude. And it's cheaper than a hotel, and this is a kick-ass place to stay. So we did that, and it was a lot of fun. 
I had a great time doing that. And then the other thing here, and you had sent this over, I had seen this earlier, and you hate to see this, man, because it just seems like, again, it's just so young, but Academy Award-winning actor who won Best Actor in the mid-'80s for the movie Kiss of the Spider-Woman, William Hurt, has passed away. He was 71, man. What's amazing is you say, ah, so young. I remember when 71 felt old. Now 71 feels like, ah, it's pretty young, man. I don't expect yeah. to be gone at 71. Yeah, and you look at it, and it's wild. His birthday, he would have turned 72 next Sunday. He dies exactly one week before his 72nd birthday. But, you know, he was awesome in Kiss of the Spider-Woman. And I think it was 1985. He was in Children of a Lesser God. He got nominated for Best Actor for that. He was in Broadcast News. He got nominated for Best Actor for that. I mean, in the mid-80s, this was a dude who, like, three straight years put out a movie that was Academy Award level and was nominated for Best Actor from all that. Oh, no, he was the man for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, he was that guy. And so uh, I was, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if he'd been sick or whatever, but I was just a little surprised to see that he, that he died yeah. because, again, you know, 71 don't feel so old, bro. Yeah, apparently it was prostate cancer. Ah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Too yeah, bad. it is too bad. I mean, God, cancer, man. F cancer. That's the one thing. Are we ever going to figure out a cure for that? If we do, ugh, it's just horrible. But we move forth here because we have some more conversations to get into. And before we do that, we will tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions. It is time with all the rain, with the temperature changes, with it warming up. You're going to start seeing, this is one way, the cracks in your walls, door sticking, soil wash out outside like you start seeing water and you're like man I, is this draining correctly that type of stuff that you ignore like water in, in the lack of proper draining that's the stuff that ends up affecting your foundation over the course of time your home will show you some signs then you need to call hfx foundation solutions let aaron and his guys come out it's a free no obligation inspection and that inspection when you get it done at the first sign of trouble is how you save yourself potentially thousands of dollars in damages down the road. Bro, there's a reason why we call it the colonoscopy for your house, man. It's to make sure that everything's good, that everything's in working order, that everything's running efficiently. So you let Aaron and his people come over, take a look at things, and it gives you peace of mind. And then if there is a problem, God forbid, but if there is a problem, typically they find it in the early stages, so it costs you a fraction of what it would cost if they find it later. That's exactly right. It is the way to go. He is local. He is family. He will get you taken care of. HFX Foundation Solutions. Very easy to get a hold of them at 817-770-0174. 817-770-0174. Or just jump online. Find out more information about them at HFX Foundation com. So we move on in the NCAA tournament, which is always fun. I, I actually think, and I'm not like a huge college basketball guy. We kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, with what I do now and the fact that Alabama and Auburn are both having good seasons, they're both in the tournament. UAB here in Birmingham just won Conference USA. They are in the tournament. So all three teams that we pay a lot of attention to locally are in the tournament. Jacksonville State, which is a smaller college about an hour from here in a town called Anniston, is the fourth school from Alabama. They're a 15 seed. So for the first time ever, four schools from the state of Alabama are in the NCAA tournament. So it's a big deal. And I've gotten into it. It's fun to watch. But I will tell you this. I've always thought that that Thursday and Friday, that first round of the NCAA tournament, where you've got basketball from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m., that's... Those are two of the best days on the sports calendar, I think. 
Um, it's it's all for it, man. I mean, I've I've kind of I used to be a huge college basketball fan. Now I just kind of pay attention at the tournament time. Um, but the first two days where you're getting those buzzer beaters, you're getting those upsets, you're getting those uh, those exciting moments uh, that'll live uh, forever on a video. Ah, dude, everybody puts you know sets aside some time to watch the tournament. Take some time off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and yeah. just get with it. Yeah, and and we, obviously, when we were doing our radio show two years in a row, I mean, that was a big deal for radio where we would go and broadcast our show on location. And I'm doing that again this year. I, I, I can't remember where I'm at, but I think they booked me at like a local Twin Peaks and a local Hooters for Thursday and Friday because those are the places with all the TVs. You know, I, I know people that'll take work. They'll take off work, and they'll go, and they'll watch games and drink beer and hang out, and it's... You know, the fact that there's games and you can watch, I mean, there's four games, there's 16 games on Thursday and 16 games on Friday. We're all going to fill out a bracket and it's just cool. I mean, it's really cool to see when the 12, 13, 14, 15 seeds do the impossible and pull the upset. And it's some school that you've never heard of or you don't ever pay attention to. Not because the three ball, the three pointer has made everybody equal, bro. Uh, you got cats, especially if you get a veteran team with some guards that can shoot it. Uh, beware, because they're not going to turn the ball over a lot. They're going to make their free throws. They're going to hit the three-pointer. And that that's the even-up thing, man. That has even the game for everybody. It's made, uh, you know, it's made basketball really interesting from that standpoint. But in this year's tournament, the number one seeds are Gonzaga, who is the number one overall seed in the entire thing. Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas are the number one seeds. The two seeds are Duke, Villanova, Kentucky, and Auburn. And you look around it, the Big 12's got good representation. The SEC has gotten some great representation. Everybody was stunned today because Texas A&M, who got real hot at the end of the season and ended up making a run through the SEC tournament before they lost in the SEC championship game, a lot of people thought, oh, okay, well, that'll get A&M into the tournament. They did not get in. They were one of those teams listed as the next, as like the first four out. So A&M is not going to, and Aggie fans are pissed. I mean, it, it, Twitter is just, at least the people I follow, I mean, it, it's hilarious to see how pissed Aggie fans are about the fact that they did not get in because they made a run <laughs> to the, the final of the SEC tournament. And I, I'll tell you this, this is part of the reason why for those that are curious, you know, is the fact that they take into account the entire season. It's, it, that's one thing that people get really frustrated at. I mean, again, A&M got real hot at the end of the year. They knocked off Alabama on the road in a big road win. I think they won like their last four games of the regular season. They upset Auburn. They upset Arkansas in the SEC tournament. But the problem becomes when you look at their metrics, they're not on – a level, including their strength of schedule overall for where it is at, it, it, it unfortunately, with some of the other teams that got in and some of the automatic qualifiers, it, it put A&M in that, that bubble situation and their bubble burst. Well, whenever you need help, man, and you're not controlling things yourself because, you know, you dropped some games early or you had to rely on a hot streak late, you just got to understand that it, it ain't guaranteed to go your way and that disappointment a lot of times will happen uh, especially to me if you're not like a basketball blue blood, you know, with a long history yeah. of success like a Duke or a Carolina or something like that. Um, it happens, man, and that's why uh, you don't ever want to put yourself in that position. But it happens every year. It's going to be interesting because we all know 
There's going to be a couple of 12 seeds that win. There's going to be a couple of 11 seeds. There'll be a 13 seed, maybe even a 14 or a 15. And those are the matchups that you look at. And that's where this is. You know, this is such a, a toss-up. Like UAB gets in. It's their first time since 2015 to get into the tournament. They are playing Houston. UAB is a 12 seed. Can they beat Houston? They more than can beat Houston. Will they beat Houston? Who the hell knows, man? I mean, I, I, who knows? And that's the thing. Like, you look at some of these teams, like, like Alabama, who's had a really weird-ass inconsistent season. They're a six seed. They play the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame. You know, they probably get past that, but then they got to play Texas Tech if they win. I don't think they're beating Tech in the second round, but who knows? I mean, Alabama's a team that's beaten Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston this year. They, they've shown they can beat anybody. I, I don't know. I mean, this is such a weird thing. I will say this. Ever since 2013, one of the final four teams has been a five-seed or lower. I don't know why it would change this year. College basketball is more wide open than ever. Yep, and so that's where you look at it and you say, okay, well, if that's the case, what is one of these teams that maybe has a chance that is a five-seed or lower to kind of stun some people and, and make the improbable, impossible type run to the final four? Who's it going to be? I have no idea. I, I And that's where this just gets so weird, and it's just it, it's almost like you're just tossing stuff up into the air and seeing how it lays out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – I mean, the way college basketball is now, man, it's literally – to me, it's literally wide open. Like, how many teams do you think can literally win it? Eight. Yeah. I mean, I remember a time where it felt like there was, like, you know, two or three teams that yeah. could win it. No, there's, there's legit eight teams that have a shot. And then, you know, I mean, the reality of it is most of the time, when you, by the time you get to the Final Four – you know, the final four is going to have a one, a two, a three, a four seed. I mean, it, like the top 16 teams in the, in the bracket, three of them are going to make it to the final four. But one of us, somebody's coming out of nowhere. It, it, and who's it going to be? I mean, it, is it going to be, I don't, I, I don't know. I, like some people look at Michigan and think that they have the chance to make a run, but they have to get past, even if they upset Colorado State in the first round as an 11 seed, they would probably have to beat Tennessee in the next round, and Tennessee has been white hot and is probably the best team in the SEC right now coming into the tournament. And, you know, folks are like, you know, some folks would be surprised they got in because they faded so badly down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's, that's the way it is, man. If you have talent and you can shoot the three, all you need is a little confidence, man, and that can happen in an instant in basketball. Yeah, man. I mean, it's – it's fun. It's a lot of fun. The SC, the NCAA tournament, I love filling out the brackets and just seeing who's going to make it and how's it going to break out. And then, you know, you kind of follow it and you're hoping to God that after day one, you're not shot to shit and that you at least went 13 and three or 14 and two. But, you know, times have changed. Uh, I can't remember what the answer to this is. Do you fill out one bracket or do you fill out like 20 brackets like my dad used to? No, I'll, I'll fill out one because I have to for the station. And so I'll put like my best bracket into that whole thing. But then I'll fill out a few other ones just because of the fact that you never like if you hit, you win. Like if you do it on ESPN, you can win like 100 grand or whatever it is or a million or whatever it is. So I'm always like, I mean, I might as well. Who cares? It's fun. Just throw throw some stuff to the wall and see what happens. All right, all right, I feel you. But yeah, I mean, a lot of this for me, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, you look at this and it's, I don't know. I mean, see, and that's the it's hard not to pick chalk because you sit here and you go, well, how could this play? What would? And you're like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think if you if you're a casual basketball fan, then you go with chalk. If you're if you're really into it. 
then I think you can deviate a little more. But I also think if you're filling out a bracket, you can't go chalk because you know there's going to be some 12s who win, some 13s who win, some 11s who win. You just got to figure out which one it is. Yeah. Yeah, so there you have it. And, you know, if you're a Big 12 person, you've got obviously Baylor is one of the picks for the Final Four. They're going to have the chance to make a run. Texas got in. They're a six seed. Texas will open the NCAA tournament, and they will play Virginia Tech. If they beat Virginia Tech, they'll most likely play Purdue. But if they can somehow make a run and get out of the first weekend, it's very likely that Kentucky would be waiting for them in the Sweet 16. And, you know, Texas, I, I've i seen Texas play a couple of times this year, and I, I think Chris Beard will get them where he wants them to be. But Texas reminds me a lot of Alabama as a team that can compete with anybody and can also get their ass kicked by anybody, and they just don't have the offense that it takes, I don't think. But we'll see. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? All right, I'll pick him to go to the Final Four. Who cares? <laughs> go do that, dude. Why not? It'll be fun. It'll never happen in a million years, and it'll be like the most asinine bracket of all time. But, I mean... Why not? I mean, filling out a bracket is supposed to be fun, right? Yeah, without doubt. And maybe is this the year that Gonzaga finally gets it done? They've been knocking on the door for a minute. They're no longer a Cinderella team. No, they're not. Now they're just a team that can't win the big one. All right, so if Texas makes it to the Final Four, they would have to play Gonzaga. So that that could be, that's where it happens. All right, very nice. So I laid that out for you. I can tell you what else is very nice, Smokey John's Barbecue. If you guys haven't been yet, my only question you'd be, why not? Like, oh, I don't live in Dallas. Okay, I understand. You don't live in Dallas, that's fine. You know, but you could be ordering their barbecue sauce. You could get their rub. Hell, I've got three bottles of Smokey John's Barbecue sauce in my pantry that was shipped to me. And I live in Alabama, so you can make it happen. Just because you don't <laughs> live in Dallas, you can taste Smokey John's Barbecue. Uh, nah, bro. And uh, trust me, you want some of that Smokey John's barbecue. It's delicious. Uh, the rub is equally good, man. All you got to do is go to the website, type uh, Marketplace, and uh, go pick one. They'll have it to you in a, in a few days. But other than that, everything is good at Smokey John on the menu and off the menu. Yeah, it is. Off the menu is where you will find the Jam Session Bowl. Only available to Jam Session podcast listeners. If you don't listen to the podcast, we talk about this and then people will tweet at us and be like, oh my God, that's exactly what happened. I ordered the jam session bowl and this person next to me was like, what's that? And then looked at me and was trying to find it on the menu. And I was like, it doesn't exist on the menu. It's secret. <laughs> it's the secret menu item only available at Smokey John's Barbecue. They're awesome, man. I mean, they're, they're absolutely fantastically delicious. Smokey John's Barbecue right there off Mockingbird in Dallas. In between I-35 and in between Love Field, you will find Smokey John's Barbecue. You need to get on over there and order that jam session bowl. Put it in your mouth. You're going to love it. As a matter of fact, I'm hoping to be able to get over there because I got to come into Dallas next week and I'll be in for a couple of days. We're flying in. They're not going to be like I land at, at Love Field at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. No, I don't think they're opening quite no. that, that early. But I may be able to get dinner there on the way out of town because our flight doesn't leave Dallas. We're flying back on Tuesday. I think our flight leaves like at 10, like 9.45, something like that on Tuesday night. Oh, okay, cool. So I might be able to swing by and, and perhaps get some, some dinner there. We'll have to see. We'll see how it works out. But you guys can go anytime. Smokey John's Barbecue. The other thing we have for you here on our little chat, a couple of other notes. Adam Schefter breaking it again. Not that this will excite anybody. But Kirk Cousins and the Vikings have reached an agreement on a one-year deal. 
which is interesting because I thought he was already under contract for one more year. Uh, he is. So I guess they're this extending a, him for a year? Yeah. Kirk Cousins is the – I don't even know what to say, bro. That dude I, – I give him credit, man. He has figured out a way to get paid. Yeah, and that makes sense because if they're doing that and they're going to give him an extra year because Kirk Cousins – the problem with Kurt, look at this. The Vikings are signing him to a one-year, thirty-five million, fully guaranteed extension. Now he was due to make thirty-five this year, so that means he's also going to make thirty-five in twenty twenty-three. But I wonder how they're going to do this because I would have figured they're doing that so that they can spread out his cap hit because his cap hit this year is supposed to be forty-five million dollars. Dude, for Kirk I Cousins, don't know. it says Cousins gets a raise to forty million in twenty twenty-two. 55 million payable by next March and a no trade. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know, man. Maybe they looked at the tea leaves and said, you know what? There's no quarterback out there to get next year either. The draft is not that good. Uh, the devil you know is better than the one you don't know. I and guess. Let's just ride with him. Because, see, here's the problem it's, it's not that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback because no. he's not. It's just that nobody believes he can take you where you want to go. Yeah, I mean, look, reality of it, he had a solid season last year. He was fine. He, he reminds me of a modern-day Brad Johnson. Like, yeah, a, like, so. gonna, like a guy that so. can get it done who is, you know. I mean, Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl because the Bucks had an amazing, amazing defense. But you go back and you look at some of what Brad Johnson was all about, and, you know, he wasn't trash. He just was kind of a guy. Well, see, I think he's better. I think he's a good quarterback. He's not, like, average. He's above average. But there's there's some window between above average and good yeah. that he can't reach. But dude, he my God, he's uh and he changed the game when he got that guaranteed contract for yeah, the Vikings did. to start with because it was like three years and ninety million, and that changed the game because it it, be, it guaranteed all his money. It was a short term deal, and all the other quarterbacks were like, "Why are we locking ourselves up for five, six, seven, eight years? Let's just go do three or four come back and get it again yeah i mean it, it's the kirk cousins bit is interesting to me but the vikings apparently they like that guy and they're sticking with him also just breaking the arizona cardinals and their free agent tight end and i know some people who are like what about zach Ertz for the cowboys what never going to happen anyway but zach Ertz has agreed to a three-year contract with the arizona cardinals he is going to get about 10 and a half per year 31.6 over the next three years for Zach Ertz, who they had traded for earlier in the 2021 season, of course, bringing him over from Philadelphia to give Kyler Murray another weapon. So Zach Ertz off the board in the world of free agency. Now, we were going to bring this up before, and who knows? I mean, my God, NFL is just dominating everything. I mean, let somebody else, let somebody else have a Newsday NFL how about those Dallas Mavericks? How about them, man? They're playing great basketball. And here's, here's the interesting tidbit because sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true this afternoon. Uh, you know, Tom, Tom Brady was retired this morning, this afternoon. He's back headed to the, uh, to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, I believe, and I think I sent this to you, man. They have, uh, outside of Phoenix, they have the most wins in the NBA since the start of the new year. And uh, that is exactly what you want to have, you know, heading into the playoffs, um, you know, in a, in a month from here. Yeah. Is that they're playing good basketball and they seem like they're playing their best basketball 
right now um when it matters most and dude that's um you can't ask for more than that it's a good win over boston today came from behind in the last five minutes Luka with a killer three and then he set up another killer three to um dinwiddie who's been out of his mind since he came to dallas yeah i believe they're 26 and 8 since the beginning of the new year and this is a team they've won seven of eight you know, they, they, I mean, they, I don't know what it is with the Knicks and the Mavs. I mean, the Knicks just have their number for some reason. It feels like the last couple of years, they get blown off the court at home against the Knicks a couple of nights ago, lose by 30, and that ended a five-game win streak, and then they jump right back at it. They they won in Houston the other night, and then, I mean, that that's a win in today against Boston on the road against a really hot Celtics team. That was a big win for them. And it was a uh, it was a uh, slower paced game, you know. Your Dallas Mavericks, as of the other day, they were leading the NBA in points allowed on defense. Unbelievable. Um, that's the Jason Kidd influence. Uh, Jason Kidd's done a hell of a job. Should really be in the running for Coach of the Year with what he's done with the Mavericks. Yeah. And the other thing he's done, man, is he figured out how to get Spencer Dinwiddie involved early on with um, you know with what they're doing yeah and uh that dude is just hit the ground running averaging 20 points five assists and how about this man shooting 52 percent from the field and 46 percent from threes before today uh he's out of his mind man yeah I, th- I think just that change of scenery and getting him out of a place that was toxic for him where they've really embraced him you know we talked about that how they didn't want him to be a leader in philadelphia he hadn't earned or washington right i mean a leader yeah, yeah, like in, in, in Washington, it didn't work. And now, like, the Mavs embrace it. They're giving him opportunities. And look, I mean, for a guy like that, some of these dudes, when you play with Luka, I mean, he's going to find you. And, I mean, this is – it's weird to think this because I think a lot of – and, and I, I kind of thought, okay, well, how is this going to work? It feels like they're kind of taking a dip in the, in the short term to see if they can get better in the long term. My, they're better in the short term. I mean, they just beat – Boston was 16-2 and two in their last 18 games coming in on the heels of a five-game win streak, and Dallas went toe-to-toe with them and ended up coming back and getting it done, picking up a big road win tonight. And, and I mean, the Mavs are a good basketball team. Well, what happens is, and we talked about it, but it bears repeating, is that Dinwiddie gave them another guy who can create his own shot. And he, he doesn't – it's not that he's a great scorer. It's that he's a good scorer, he's a competent scorer, he's an efficient scorer, and he doesn't need somebody to get him the shot. And so he can get his own shot. So now when you put him and Luka and Brunson out there, remember the Mavericks used to be Luka and nobody else can score, really? Yeah. Nobody else can create anything. Well, now you've got Luka, you've got Brunson, you've got Dinwiddie. You've got guys who can create their own shot. And now when you have to – and this is what happened on the game-winning three that Dinwiddie hit with like four seconds left. Now Luka has the ball on the wing, gets into the lane, three cats converge on him. What's he do? He looks to the corner while he passes back out to the wing, I mean back out to the three-point line to Dinwiddie, who's got a long three, but it's uncontested wide open three, and he drains it. Yeah, and that's what they have now with this guy. And again, today you look at this, of course, Luka leads the way with 26-8-8, and but there's Spencer Dinwiddie with 18-5-4 and of his own, and he goes three of six from the three-point line. And that's part of what this is now. And that that trio of Dinwiddie, Brunson, and Doncic just allows them so much flexibility. 
they're fun to watch. They're going to be a hard out, I think, and they're building towards something. You look at this now, and as hot as they have been, Dallas is now, I believe, like a half game behind Utah for the four seed at 42-26, and 26, 16 games over 500. This coming off the heels of the other night when they went down in, in Houston's trash, I get it, but still, Luka does it again. Luka with another triple-double the other night against Houston on Friday night ends up with, it was 30 points, 14 rebounds. Or no, it wasn't the other night. It was the night before that maybe because he only had six assists in that Houston game. Regardless of that, he had another triple-double. I was trying to figure out when it was. But you look at this, Luka Doncic, you sent me this note over from Mavs PR. Luka Doncic had his 124th career double-double against Houston in his 250th career game, meaning almost exactly half of his career games, he has at least a double-double. It's also the 80th time in his career that he has gone for more than 20 with more than 10 rebounds and more than five assists. Dude, I mean, that's why he's been two-time uh, All-NBA in his first three years. Yeah. He's a beast. <laughs> um, he's, he's one of the best players in the league. He's going to be one of the best players of all time. Uh, the only question, and he's still young, is how many championships will he win? Get the first one first, and then we'll talk. Well, that's what I mean. Like, in the NBA, the great players are judged solely by championships, really. You know, I mean, to get into the conversation, you know, you, with the elite of the elite, you got to win the championship. Otherwise, you can still be a, a great player, but you're in the – Charles Barkley, Carl Malone conversation. Like, how come you didn't win it? Whose fault was it? And you ain't trying to be in there. So, I mean, Luke is going to be that guy. And, uh, dude, I'm, I hope he wins it here because I think he's going to win it somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And I hope it is here, too. And I, I think this move and Dinwiddie, you know, maybe there's some light here again. It, it, it's much like the Cowboys at this point, honestly. It, it's all about the playoffs with the Mavs. I mean, we know the Mavs are good enough. They're going to be a playoff team. I think we've all known that all year long. The reality is when you get into the playoffs, what can you do? And we've seen yeah. what they've done the last couple of seasons. That's great. Now, can you take that next step forward? Well, see, this is why sports is fluid because now we feel a lot different about this team than we did two months ago because now they've got defense, and defense never fails you. That's why people want you to play defense. Um, and then the other thing is now they've got a third score. So mm -hmm. they've got an ability to score. They got ability. They got ball handlers and Doncic, uh, Brunson and Dinwiddie. So their turnover should be low. So all those things are trending in the right direction. They've got now, I mean, 14 games left, man. There, there's not a lot of time left in the regular season. They're right on the heels of Utah. I mean, they are nipping at the heels of Utah. They had that big win against the Jazz about a week ago that was necessary, and they do have another game, and it's a home game against the Jazz coming up in a couple of weeks here in March. But keep in mind, I mean, we are less than a month away from the end of the regular season. The, the final game of the regular season is April 10th, so we're less than a month away. They've got 14 games in the meantime. Can they get into that four seed and actually have home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs? which would be interesting because it's very likely they will play Utah in the first round. And I don't think, you know, they're, they're with 14 games left, it, it's hard to think that they're going to be able to catch Memphis or Golden State because they're still four and a half, five games behind both those teams. But they can more than catch Utah. They, they could host games one and games two of a first round playoff series, and that could be huge for them. 
And you never know, man. Team like this, if you can bust through that ceiling and win a playoff series, you know, Luka, we've seen Luka in the playoffs. And if he gets hot and this team starts to believe that they can do something, who knows? I'm just saying, who knows? I mean, Luka's one of the best players in the NBA, man. And if you've got one of the best players in the NBA, and he, he, you got a chance. Because he's capable of stealing a game or two. And we've no, seen him do that in the playoffs. Now, Luka's going to show up. Now it's a matter of whether you got some guys who can ride for him. But I'm telling you, man, um, it's, it's the fact that they've got defense that you can rely on. Uh, which they've never had, you know, in forever. And so now that they're a good defensive team and you've got the superstar, that's a formula for playoff success if you can get your other guys to ride with them. Now I'm almost interested in, because I hadn't paid much attention, yo, is Hardaway back for the playoffs or is he just out for the season? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, that's – well, Jacques just died. Unbelievable. Jacques was assassinated. Are you there? Come in. Did I come back? Yeah, you're back. My God, I heard the mic drop, and then it just went dead. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, what's happened? Well, I was talking, and it slipped. And I had to <laughs> yank it by the cord. Because I was like, if it drops, even though I'm sitting in a chair, it's a hard floor up underneath it. I go, this thing will be busted, and I have to go buy another one. Yeah, when you start talking about Hardaway, man, it's because he had surgery in late January on a broken foot. You got to think, I mean, that's a minimum two months. So let's say he's got another couple of weeks where he's, I don't, I'm, okay, another month after that, I would say you got to think there's a possibility he could be back for the playoffs. I mean, yeah. if, if he comes back for the playoffs, he'd be two and a half months removed from the surgery. Yeah. I mean, that might be, uh, I, I'd go look. But, yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, he's still, I mean, I'm talking about it in terms of just another Another good player you can yeah. run out there who can hit some threes and, and help you. Okay. And then before we hang it up tonight here as we record this thing, did, so I just came across this story because somebody had tweeted it out. So we t- on this podcast, we talked about the stunning news that Tom Brady is coming back to the Bucs. He is not going to retire. Earlier today, it was announced that what they thought was the final touchdown pass that he threw that ball <laughs> sold at auction for $518,000. And now you got to wonder if you're the dude that bought that, like how does that work when now it will not be the last touchdown pass, but that's what you were bidding on that you thought that that was the last touchdown pass ball. I think you just pissed, bro. Yeah, because I mean, what can you do? Because what happened was he threw it to, to Mike Evans. Mike Evans caught it and just threw it into the stands. And so the fan who caught the ball basically is like, all right, well, I'm going to make some cheese off of this. <laughs> and now you got to think whoever whoever paid for that is like, well, what the hell? I think that's just from uh, – I think that's just bad luck, man. I don't think there's anything you can do about it. It's just bad luck. Yeah, and that's one of those things that it goes to show, you know, if I was them, I would have waited a little longer before – like, hey, if this is going to go up for auction, maybe we should give it a little bit more time just to make sure because, look, we're still in the league year of 2021. Right. You know, at least get into the new league year to see how Tom Brady is going to react to all this. Because I bet he's got one of those roster guarantees, you know, if you're on the team fifth day of the league year or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, but the auction house doesn't care. They got their money. Uh, so, yeah, I think that and maybe it'll become a collector's edition because it was the thought to be retired ball. Yeah, I guess it could be like this was the one we thought, but it's not. So who knows? 
of course, let me put this out there in the universe. If you can pay half a million dollars for a trinket like that, you're all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, I man. Do I guess. I'd be pissed. Um, I do have one more note for you to see if you care at all. Okay. Or if, you, if it registered with you at all. Because I was shocked. I got like two texts and three phone calls about this. And I was like, really? Uh, and I tried not to be annoyed, but it was borderline. ESPN 103.3, oh station where me and Matt did our radio show. I had show multiple did people talk about this. Years. Went to its, and now I knew it was coming. I, yes, so did I, I. I literally, I literally have not listened to 103.3 since we were let go. Now, occasionally I listen to, to it on, uh, on Sirius, but it's very occasionally because I don't really like the ESPN radio per se. The host and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, dude, the people who were like, what happened to ESPN, man? It's, it's gone religious. Can, you, can you give me some insight? I'm like, first off, why are you bugging me with this? But secondly, I'm like, I ain't really thought about it, man. I think it's funny it went to a religious format, but no, nah, I ain't really thought about it. Yeah, I mean, we like we knew a long time ago that all this was kind of going to happen, and we knew that the one zero three three signal ESPN corporate announced that they were pulling out of like local radio affiliates. The only one left, I believe, is in Los Angeles. As far as what's going to happen to the national hosts, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't know what's going to happen to those guys. Mike Greenberg and all those dudes are way well off. They're doing just fine. And I mean, quite honestly, I I found it amazing that people continue to listen to ESPN radio because I thought the national shows were trash. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them. That's why I say I really don't listen to them very often. I mean, to be fair, and I think that the best show that they have on there is the one that's in the middle of the night, which is Freddie and Fit. Yeah, I like. uh, I I mean, to be honest with you. But I ain't up that time of night. So no, I'm not either. But I think that like the times that I've caught it, they're the best show that's on national ESPN. As far as what's going to happen, the whole thing, I don't know. I don't care. This happens in radio all the time. Cumulus had what's called an LMA on the ESPN radio signal, which is essentially a lease. They leased it from ESPN. They couldn't come to an agreement, mainly because of the complications of COVID and the massive money loss and all that. So they locally, they shut the entire thing down. They were running it out of a closet in Bristol. They were doing everything that you heard on that station was national. Anything that was produced was coming out of Bristol. They didn't want the headache of operating that. They sold it to a religious broadcasting company, and that that happened like four or five months ago. And that company, when they took it over, flipped it. When why it took this long, I don't know. But for whatever reason, they decided last week is one of the, they wanted to flip the station, and and it is now a non-commercial religious channel, and it'll be that probably for a long time. Uh, yeah, and so. Uh, um well that that did lead to this which is what should do you have favorite memories uh from your time at espn yeah man i mean we had some great times i i love the fact that nobody really gave espn a chance we were not promoted we were not given some of the other things that like people at the ticket or the fan would get like like advertising and billboards and stuff like that we were just doing it based on what we could do. And the fact that we made a dent the way that we did and got to the point that we got at, that I, I, I really believe that if it had continued, we would have had a lot of good success there because we were poised for that. We had a really good show and we had grown it the right way. 
I mean, we were giving yeah, was, people something that they weren't getting on the fan and they weren't getting on the ticket. And I love the ticket. I love those guys. But I still think we were doing something that, that was unique that nobody in Dallas was doing. Well, see, I think that's the key. I think the key, the reason why it worked and, and the reason why the podcast worked, but especially the radio show was we had created our own little niche in there in terms of you really could come to us and get stuff that you literally couldn't get anywhere else. And for whatever reason, whether people didn't know it or yeah. people, you know, I mean, where is she going to get that kind of inside craft beer talk? You know what I'm saying? Um, and before COVID, there was nowhere else you could get a whispers from the star kind of thing. And so, you know, whenever you're trying to break into something that's crowded, where you already got some big boys, you have to have your own niche yeah. or niche, whatever you go with. But uh, we were able to do that. And so um, it was great to have a show on ESPN. But I gotta tell you, the show with Matt and Alan and DJ Tyler, who were you know producing and board hopping, that was pretty much a good time. Ninety nine percent of the yeah, time, man. I went to work. It was. It really was, and I, I enjoyed it so much. You know, I miss those guys. Like I loved Alan. I thought for what he did, he's such a damn good producer. You know, when DJ and Tyler each added their own thing, and we really had some good times, to where you just enjoyed it, and it felt like we were doing it on a really solid level. I think that we surprised even management with what we were starting to do. And I mean, we were, we were going to be moved to afternoons and I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but we were going, they were going to move us to afternoon drives because when Kalashaw announced that he was getting out of radio, they were going like Steve wasn't, they were just going to move him to a different part, but they were going to move me and Jacques. We were going to do jam session in the afternoons. And that's, that was something I always wanted to do. And so I was stoked, you know, it's unfortunate. We didn't find out out for sure until after everything else had happened, but we had asked for the opportunity. They were going to give it to us and that would have been badass. I mean, and the meeting when when we asked for it, then we had a meeting afterwards and it was pretty much like, yeah, it's going to happen. I can't promise you it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And so we were like, oh yeah, let's get it. Let's crank it up. And, uh, you know, then it all fell apart, which is why life is about to uh, adapt, improvise, overcome. Yeah, no doubt. So <laughs> you start doing this. But yeah, man, I mean, that was I mean, I think it was just a lot of fun. And I think like, honestly, I do believe that like the guys, at the ticket is just so easy. And, I, and they put in a lot of work and they, they do a great job over there. But I think that there was some respect from some of those guys. The fact that we were going in and doing what we were doing on a station that quite honestly, the powers that be did not put nearly as much behind as what they were doing in the moneymaker at the ticket. And I think they kind of, I always thought that was cool. Like, like, you know, Mike Reiner and, and Donovan and some of those guys that would say some things sometimes in the hall that I think that we had gained a little bit of, man, you guys are doing that on that station. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good times, man, while it lasted. Which, you know, that station had some great time. I mean, Galloway, when he was doing his thing with Galloway and company, you know, they, they were crushing it. They were doing well. And it's, it's sad Anytime, any, it's like the newspaper business. Anytime anything local goes away, it really hurts that area. It's unfortunate that there's not more voices locally in Dallas because there's enough, obviously, as we show, it, it, there was enough to be able to carry three stations and there's enough for everybody to get their piece of a pie because there's so many people in Dallas. And, and it's unfortunate that that went away. Yeah, it is. But that's why we're here serving you in a different way. Yes, it is. That's why we do this. And, you know, I got a great setup doing radio in Alabama. So life goes forward and everybody's good. But that's that's what happened. That's why they just flipped the station. It's not uncommon at all. Anytime stations get sold, they're going to flip it. They're going to put on their own thing and run it their own way. So ESPN in Dallas is dead. 
And from unless they change their philosophy, ESPN is done, and you will never hear ESPN radio in Dallas ever again. No, I mean, you know, I don't like I don't like ESPN radio because it's uh, it's too much. I would call it gimmick radio, which to me, gimmick radio is is much like their their first take shows. Their debate radio It's not conversation radio. Yeah. It's why is. You know, why is LeBron not better than Michael Jordan still after all these years? When in doubt, let's ask that question and just toss it out there. Right. And to me, that's not really conversation radio, which to me is different. Because Matt and I do conversations about anything you want to talk about. But it's not a debate like, I'm for this, you're for that. Let's get into a nice argument about it. Yeah, that's kind of how the way I always saw it. And, and again, it's just the difference between local, where you can have localized conversations based on stuff locally we want to talk about, versus the national talking heads you know, Stephen A. Smith, who has to say the dumbest shit to piss people off so that they'll tweet at him and his name will be everywhere. And he's just laughing himself to the bank. And all these people are angry that he's I mean, he's doing a bit. He's just he's you guys are making like Skip Bayless and, and guys like that. People are just making these guys rich and they think it's hilarious because they don't really believe what they're telling you. No, that's no, nah, I think that's I think that's fair. That I think it's fair to say that a lot of what they do is just a bit. It's, you know, and so I don't, I'm not into bit radio for the most part. And so that's why it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. That type of thing where, I mean, Shannon Sharp and, and Skip Bayless before the show, they talk about whatever. And then whatever Shannon wants to be on, Skip literally decide I'm going to do the opposite, whether he believes yeah. it or not, because that's what they do. And, and that, that always would drive me insane because I would rather be real and have real conversations that you would have if you're hanging out with your friends, which is what Jacques and I do. We did it on the radio. We do it on the podcast. And you know they're doing it because you couldn't possibly disagree about every single solitary topic. Right. And yet people get so angry and then tweet about it and, and watch it and get mad. And I'm like, again, you know, if you truly don't like Skip Bayless and you want to get rid of him, stop watching. Stop talking about him. Indifference will kill him. Yeah. But people, they can't seem to understand that. I, I don't know. That was a fun little wrap-up conversation there. See then that's what we do, bro. All right. Well, I, I'm going to say I, I enjoyed this podcast. That was a high quality one. I'm going two thumbs up on this at this version of the podcast. Yeah, me too. Okay, that makes good. four. I'm, uh, there it is. Four thumbs up Jam Session podcast. Let your friends know. You, you need a podcast, four thumbs up on Jam Session. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.